All right, this is Plain Spoken, and I'm Jeffrey Rickman, and uh, this is a show that I do irregularly in order to try and make sense out of uh, the United Methodist world and where I fit within it. Um, the purpose here is not to impugn the motives or character of anyone with whom I disagree. I am a conservative, evangelical, traditionalist, uh, so... I definitely have a viewpoint. However, there are other people making other decisions that just have other values, and my concern is not that they are bad. It's that people that are like me really have a hard time keeping up with what's going on and who's doing what and what things are meaningful and what things aren't. I'm of the mind that the resolutions adopted by the jurisdictional conferences a couple weeks ago are meaningful, and my jurisdiction, the South Central jurisdiction, adopted three resolutions that I think uh, very clearly show the direction that our leadership is wanting to head in. It's not a direction I'm personally excited about, and I hope that I have misunderstood some of the things said or, um, uh, well, but I don't think I'm misunderstanding it, so that's why I'm, I'm putting this out. So I wish I misunderstood uh, but I'm pretty sure I see what's going on, and um, if if uh, you listen to me and you think that I'm right, then I would just urge you to share this with other people so that they feel more equipped to navigate the um, the 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 waters of the United Methodist Church. So I uh, I did my first installment on this series yesterday, covered Resolution One, leading with integrity is what it was called. So go ahead and look that up if you haven't seen it. Um, today we're dealing with the second resolution, which is called Support of U.S. Regional Conference. So um, I'm going to just read the re- resolution, and then we'll we'll talk through some themes that I, I think are noteworthy. So <clears throat> let's just get right into it. <clears throat> Whereas the seven central conferences and five U.S. jurisdictions of the United Methodist Church engage in mission together in 136 countries— And whereas the connectional ties between the Church in the United States and the Central Conferences are significant and vital to the continued mission and ministry of the worldwide United Methodist Church, and whereas the existing structure of the United Methodist Church at the general church level has historically impeded each region from effectively tailoring its ministry to its specific contexts, And whereas the existing structure of the United Methodist Church at the general church level diminishes our ability to be a vital and effective church and needs to be re-envisioned to achieve more fair and equitable church governance, and whereas the creation of a U.S. regional conference and the conversion of the central conferences to regional conferences, as outlined in the Christmas Covenant, developed by central conference leaders in Africa and the Philippines, would establish structural parity throughout the worldwide church. And whereas the creation of a U.S. regional conference, as outlined in legislation put forward by the Connectional Table, will establish the governance necessary to allow each region to design ministry for its particular contexts, and thus more effectively make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And whereas the south-central jurisdiction of the United Methodist Church continues to work toward inclusion and justice for all God's people, and whereas the south-central jurisdiction aspires to vital 
thriving, multicultural, and diverse ministries that are open to all people and can be a beacon of hope for the worldwide United Methodist Church. Therefore, be it resolved that the South Central Jurisdiction of the United Methodist Church supports the expressed intents of the Christmas Covenant and Connectional Table legislation, including the creation of regional conferences in Africa, Europe, the Philippines, and the U.S., respectively. And be it further resolved that the South Central Jurisdiction recognizes and supports the leadership of our Central Conferences in the creation and furtherance of the Christmas Covenant, as well as the Connectional Table's future visioning on behalf of our worldwide fellowship. And be it further resolved that the South Central Jurisdiction urges every annual conference within its boundaries to support both the Christmas Covenant and Connectional Table proposals to establish a fair and equitable general church structure. And be it further resolved that the South Central Jurisdiction urges the Council of Bishops to expedite the process of voting on the constitutional amendments necessary to enact the regional conferences legislation, calling special sessions of annual conferences where necessary, and be it further resolved that in line with the intent of the non-disciplinary petition submitted by the connectional table, the South Central Jurisdiction requests the Council of Bishops to immediately appoint a 20 to 25 member interim committee on organization for a U.S. regional conference to develop and propose to the 2024 General Conference the structure and organization of a U.S. regional conference. In line with the Connectional Tables legislation, this body would organize and plan for the establishment and functioning of a new United States regional conference comprising the five jurisdictions of the United States. Committee membership should have a minimum of three members of each U.S. jurisdiction, three central conference members, and shall meet standards of racial and gender diversity. The committee should recommend a structure for the U.S. regional conference, including considerations such as its membership, committee structure, meeting time, agency, and function. And be it further resolved that the jurisdiction conference secretary shall send copies of this resolution to all delegates to general and jurisdictional conferences, including alternates from the South Central Jurisdiction and to the Commission on the General Conference. So that's submitted by Reverend Kim Jen, a uh, clergy delegate from Missouri. And that's, that's the whole thing. Uh, people who are not necessarily familiar with the history of this particular issue may s believe that this sounds really pretty great. Racial equity um, sounds... Excellent. I, I think everybody's on. Well, if you're not on board with that, you are a racist, and that is not good. Even so, um, this is uh, a problematic resolution for me. So um, before we get into the substance of that, just want to remind everybody, um, I, I have an article called up from um, our monthly newsletter in the Oklahoma Annual Conference where um, the, our editor points out that according to the Legal Information Institute, a resolution in the context of legislative practice is, quote, a form in which a legislative body expresses an opinion or a purpose with respect to a given matter or topic that is temporary in nature. It denotes the adoption of a motion, the subject matter of which does not constitute a statute. So um, it's not worth freaking out too much. It is not law. This is aspirational in nature. So this is the uh, elected representatives of 
uh, the conferences and the South Central jurisdiction all coming together and saying, this is what we want, this is what we feel, but we're not mandating it yet. So the one yesterday was, uh, we, we want uh, people who are leaving the denomination to go ahead and shut up now rather than after they leave. This one is we want, essentially, what they're saying is we want to adopt the proposal of the Christmas Covenant as supported by the Connectional Table. Now, I want to affirm the things that I can about this before I, I point out what's problematic. One is uh, that it cares about effectiveness and vitality, which I, I think is, is really important. We want effective, vital churches. Something else that I would readily and easily affirm is uh, removing all uh, remnants of racism uh, from the denomination. So the jurisdictional structure was originally created in 1939, uh, I think, whenever Methodist Episcopal Church North and South reunified. We created a, a segregated system where there was a black, I think they called it the Central Jurisdictional Conference, where they would stay separate from the whites. Um, of course, that didn't maintain, but the jurisdictional conference structure did, and then we also created, um, we kept jurisdictions within the continental United States, but then outside of the United States we have uh, central conferences, which have some of, but not all of the same rights and responsibilities and power of American jurisdictional conferences. So I think it's great to break those differences down and to have Americans stand on equal footing as people of other races and, and nations. There's not going to be segregated seating in the kingdom of God by, by anything. There's just people who's in and people who's out. Um, I think it's great to, to try and usher as many people into the kingdom as possible. I think that's what we've been called into. You're going to see, if, if you're not listening to the podcast, if you're actually watching this, I kind of went through the document and, and put in green the things that I think are laudable and good, and then in red the things that are really problematic and uh, problems. So it starts off really good. The first two whereases where it's setting the stage, really good. Yes, we need to have parity and equality between Americans and, and non-Americans, and we are, are serving together, and, and we're better together. But then it comes to some uh, presuppositions that I, I think are, are just flat-out wrong. One, that the being tied together in a general church level has generally impeded each region from effectively tailoring its ministry to its specific context. I, I'm not sure that, that we've really been impeded that much. Um, so let's talk some history for a minute. Um, the church in North America has generally been um, abandoning some of its historic uh, hard principles, you know, hard lines that it took. And um, if you look at the last hundred years, uh, this was women in ministry, this was divorce, um, this was relaxing um, a lot of the cultural norms around uh, segregation uh, of race. Uh, we, we've been breaking down a lot of, of these things, and if you're a United Methodist, you feel good about a lot of this. Um, for a lot of people, it seemed self-evident that the next stage in this uh, relaxing of hard lines has been welcoming sexually nonconforming persons into ministry and into marriage. Um, no longer making these distinctions between uh, cisgender, heterosexual, um, monogamous 
relationships, but kind of breaking down all of those barriers and, and boundaries that separated uh, normal holy people from un, unholy sinners. Um, so, so within the North American church, there's been a lot of clarity on the part of liberals that it is our job now to take that next step and welcome gays, lesbians, transsexual, bisexual, queer into ministry and start marrying them. Generally, the, the, what I would call the majority church outside of the North American church has not been in favor of that whatsoever. They believe, as do American conservatives like me, that biblical language about sexual behavior uh, is, is quite clear and beyond argument. It doesn't matter what culture you're in. So um, for decades, liberals have been pushing to relax these strictures. The Book of Discipline says that, that homosexuality is not compatible. With, with the Christian faith. Liberals have been fighting to, to relax that. Conservatives have been saying, no, 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 no. We took a vote every four years. Finally, in 2019, we said, we are going to have a special general conference where we are going to figure this out once and for all. We had the conference, the Connectional Table, the Council of Bishops. They all brought um, the one church plan or just a—there a, were two different plans that, that liberalized the position, and then there was a traditional plan which did not have the backing of the connectional table or the bishops, but that's the one that the majority church wanted. Evangelicals within the United States, as well as across Africa and the Philippines, united to say, no, we're going to hold the line on this. And then we designed paragraph 2553 as an exit for those congregations that just couldn't stand the, the disciplinary— uh, status anymore, language anymore. But then a lot of weird stuff happened. Uh, Western jurisdiction said, we're just not going to abide by it. Lots of Board of Ordained Ministries in America said, we're going to pretend like this didn't even happen. We're going to do what we think is right. Liberals didn't leave, and conservatives got upset, angry. They've been fighting for a long time. They're done fighting. Uh, globally, international uh, delegates are not done fighting. They, they have a lot of energy for fighting. In America, they don't want to fight. They're paying now to leave the connection. They want to leave. They want to be done fighting. The liberals can have it. In fact, we will pay you money under paragraph 2553 to be able to leave. Um, and there's some sadness and there's some glee about that. Now liberals are, are largely having their way at, at jurisdictional conference, and we'll see what happens at general conference. What they're trying to do now is remove global majority Christians from being able to keep them from liberalizing the position on sexuality. That's what this is really about. They're using the language of racial equity, and I don't think they're lying about it. I think they really do care about racial equity, but they're using that to accomplish this other goal, which is finally being free of that interference. They've got the evangelicals and conservatives running out of the denomination from within the continental U United States. Now they need to make it so that outside of the continental U.S., evangelical traditionalists cannot keep them from changing the rules now. That's what this is. Um, so that's why the Connectional Table likes it. The Connectional Table, I don't know if a lot of people know what that is. That's an organization that's been in place for decades. They have consistently represented the institution as they've come to general conference, they brought legislation that has largely been shot down every quadrennium by the the majority at general conference. Most United Methodists they don't have time and energy for this. They don't they don't they're not spending their time 
week after week, month after month, researching this stuff. They're just worshiping in their local churches, and then they go to general conference, and they're appalled by all the politicking and caucus groups and and uh, doublespeak. Um, so, you know, it, it takes diving in and seeing, like, okay, what is the connectional table? W- what is the Christmas covenant? You know, so the Christmas covenant. I'll pull up the website here. Um, it's christmascovenant.com. It's a nice website. I went through. I've got it on the FAQs page here. There's a lot. They have the actual legislation and testimonies, endorsements. Uh, let's look at the endorsements in a minute. But for right now, an important thing to consider is uh, this resolution says the authors are largely from Africa and the Philippines. So I want to know who they are. Who wrote the Christmas Covenant? It says in the FAQ. Christmas Covenant legislation was written primarily by United Methodists from Africa, Europe, and the Philippines. In February 2020, it was passed by the Philippine Annual Conference, and then the Connectional Table affirms that it's great, pretty much. It dismantles historic systemic colonialism, huh? All right, so there's that. And then um, who else has endorsed the Christmas Covenant? Jurisdictional groups like ours, the Philippines Conferences, United States Conferences and Delegations, and then Love Your Neighbor Coalition, and the Western Methodist Justice Movement. These are all liberal. So these are these are the endorsements. You won't notice many individual people. You'll just notice. I'm pretty sure I saw. Oh, okay. Connectional Table, North Central Jurisdictional Conference. They don't have ours on there yet. Interethnic Strategy and Development Group, Marcha. I think that's the Hispanic Caucus Group, and United Women in Faith. That's what uh, United Methodist Women turned into and then I forget what you mark is. Um, so those are the groups that are behind this, uh, but there's no people's names associated with this. And what you really need to convince me that the Africans in particular really want this plan is you need individuals who are behind it, who are the authors of it, who represent large contingencies in Africa. And I don't think we have that. I've, I've heard of one guy in Africa who said he was a part of it. I asked him for a list of other names of people he wasn't willing to give them to me. I don't know if you've followed much of what else I've done on my Plain Spoken channel, but I've been doing interviews with individuals in Africa who do represent constituencies. And some of them do say that they want more separation between us and them. They're just tired of us. They're tired of liberals quadrennium after quadrennium hearing no, 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 and then they just keep doing what they want anyway. It's infuriating and it's disrespectful. Um, but biblically, most of them are on the same page that it is their job to bear with us, and it's our job to bear with them, and that when we can have integrity, we can do that well. But whenever we cloak our desire to be separate from one another with this language of equity, well, then there's a problem. Um, Whenever we state as a truism that it hurts local ministry whenever we can't tailor it to the cultures around us, I do not think that that is actually true. When you look at the times of evangelical growth across the world, or within United Methodism, it is not when we've taken the greatest care to understand the cultures around us, okay? Um, Just because I uh, study all the demographic uh, information about my region does not make people magically come to Jesus. The only thing that does it is with the love and passion that I get from Christ Jesus, engaging other people authentically. In fact, it's of benefit whenever I'm quite different from them because I have something different to offer, okay? So the the presupposition behind this, that we need to tailor our ministries to fit the culture around us, 
I fundamentally disagree with. I really think it's to our benefit to be less concerned about that and more concerned about people are going to hell, and it is my job as an ambassador of Christ to reach out to them in love. Africans come from a very different context than me. Whenever I have a conversation, I mean, watch one of these conversations. The cultural barriers do not matter when you have common identity in Christ. I was going to go through this a lot more and, and point out what's problematic. Uh, with these themes, I think you can do a lot of that yourself. Um, the only other thing I, I kind of wanted to bring up was uh, everybody agrees racism is bad, but what to be is to be done about it we fundamentally disagree with. I'm a an old-school, colorblind, non-racist. You know, I think the way forward lies in just treating each other the same. You know, if you want to turn central conferences and jurisdictional conferences into regional conferences with the exact same rights, I'm, I'm there with you 100%. But whenever you're adopting anti-racism, which then mandates that we resegregate in order to have safe spaces for people of other ethnicities, that's when I think we're actually stepping backwards. And that's what this plan essentially is. It's saying we need to resegregate the church. We need to have the Africans over there, the Filipinos over here, the North Americans over here, and so, not mess with each other so much. They're going to say that that's colonialism when we mess with one another. I think a, a, a scriptural perspective is that when you love people, you mess with them, not manipulating them. You don't, you don't, I think what we have been doing is messing with them by our money. I think they would have taken a much stronger stand on some things if they didn't know money was attached to, to our support of them. But the thing is, when you love somebody, you care about them, you don't want them to sin because sin comes with the price, um, unless you're a liberal. Most liberals don't believe that sin comes with a price other than temporary sadness or disappointment. But for evangelicals like me, we believe there are eternal consequences, and my job is not just to care about North Americans going to hell, but Africans and Filipinos and everyone everywhere. And a great asset that we have as a denomination is this, this global international setup that we've got, which we should be leaning into more and learning from more. We should be transferring over a lot of our authority, a lot of our structures to the continent of Africa. Majority of United Methodists are now Africans. We should not be looking at separating ourselves from them. I, I'm wholeheartedly against this resolution. I think it is with good intentions uh, ensconcing racism into the United Methodist Church by further separating us. I want a future where Africans are ministering to us. We're ministering to them, they're ministering to us, and we're not even worried about money. That needs to be what we're aiming at together. This resolution's a step back. I'm disappointed we adopted it. I hope we have a change of heart before the general conference. I hope that no matter what the Americans do, that whenever the general conference comes together in 2024, that the African delegation at least is going to reject the Christmas covenant. Um, and I, you know, I hope, I hope everybody does. So uh, anyway, if you think I missed out on something important here, or if you think I'm wrong about something, go ahead and let me know in a Christian spirit. I hope I'm being fair to those who disagree with me. I, I, like I said, I don't think they have bad intentions. I just think they're wrong, and I think being wrong on this sort of stuff uh, has a lot of really bad consequences. So I don't know. I, I, I wish they had spent their time uh, worrying about... Um, how to heal relations between liberals and conservatives in the church and establish trust that has clearly been lost 
uh, when they're taking these steps forward. Yeah, this is all the stuff I felt bad about down here. When they're doing this kind of stuff, that just says to me, that signals to me that the liberals are unabashedly just going to take things over, and people like me just need to get over it, and I, I just don't think this is a good way to be in holy conferencing. Um, this was adopted by a large majority of my jurisdictional conference. Uh, we should have gone different. Anyway, tomorrow I'll be at this again. I'll, I'll do the third resolution, and then we'll see what I cover after that, but appreciate anyone who had the patience to walk through this with me, and um, just be in prayer for our jurisdictional... Uh, no, just for the United Methodist Church. We're we're a dysfunctional bunch. All right, I'm going to end this one. Take care.